Hey everyone, welcome to Is It Wet, the podcast that is ultimately an act of self-destruction. I'm Sophie. I'm Caitlin. And today we are very excited to be joined by a comedian, writer, uh, Rachel Andelman. Uh, she is big on Twitter, R-A-J- Andelman? Yep, it's R-A-J and then my last name. And then your last name. Uh, She is someone who is working on... Plug at the beginning is hard. She's working on a fantasy erotic erotica collection, which I'm very excited about. Rachel, how are you doing? I'm doing great. Uh, You know, uh, fantasy novels have really helped me through the pandemic, and I'm excited to share uh, that interest with my friends and uh, really close members of my family. Just, I just want everyone, whether they're into it or not, I'm just like, here is going to be a copy, a PDF on your front door, and just get into it. Yes, we understand well what it's like to just sort of uh, just force the your content um, knowledge of your of the content you're creating on family members who yes, <laughs> just don't yes. just don't understand don't yeah. understand it. But um, yeah, I love I love that fantasy novels have have been there for you. I feel like that's such a timeless idea. Uh, of I feel like there have been really big pivotal moments of my life sometimes like like big moves across the country where like I don't really remember what's what's like specifics of what were going on what was going on but I I remember what books I was reading and mm-hmm. <laughs> those like it got me through it so yeah. I love that yeah Rachel do you have a specific within the genre of fantasy is are there specific worlds or type of fantasy that have been particularly are your wheelhouse yeah, so um, uh, to be clear, I'm writing a fantasy romance novel. Mm-hmm. Uh, right, right. And, and so I, for me, like the last six months, I've been very much putting the emphasis on reading uh, romance novels. Uh, mm-hmm. The fantasy novel, uh, for me, uh, was what I sort of trended towards uh, because I don't like um, historical research. Uh, yes, and I yes. like making shit up so that felt like more organic to my process and people yes. always be fucking uh, throughout time you know? <laughs> it's true yes. it is true yeah <laughs> they always have yeah. always gonna have ha- yeah do it yeah. so yeah yeah no i um that i am very excited about this i know i've gravitated towards the the pirate vampire spectrum of that um and I know there's a lot of crossover in erotica. If not, it is all ero- erotic. Dra- Dracula is an erotic novel. Um, it's just not a very good one. Um, <laughs> yeah. It's just kind of boring. <laughs> it's yeah. It's just yeah. It's his version of of what sex <laughs> is. Yeah. Um, we, we, we need is Taylor's version. We need Taylor's what? version. Oh my god! So, really soon, I hope coming out because yeah, we, we we do. She's gonna be like, yeah, James, uh, James, Jake, J- James Gyllenhaal to me. Um, Jake Gyllenhaal is like eighty years old and he has hairy palms and he's not that sexy. Anyway, uh, <laughs> Dracula reference. He's really nasty in the novels. Um, yeah, not. It, not, not good sexy, dude. unfortunately. Not, yeah. Yeah, so Is It What the Podcast is a comedy and movies podcast where we discuss the drippiest, gloopiest, uh, cosmically horrifying 
moments in pop culture history. And today we are doing the 2018 science fiction psychological horror Annihilation. Alex Garland's Annihilation. Yes. Yeah, yeah. We're going to get into it. We're going to cross that iridescent threshold and forget where we've been for several days and just really get into the swampiness of it. Um, And I'm really excited. uh, And I'm really excited to talk to Rachel about it because it's just the movie's not funny, but I just (laughs) (laughs) like at all. But uh and, but I'm but I think I'm I think it's gonna be fun to talk about mm-hmm. um and but yeah before we get into it what we like to do here at the is it wet podcast is just highlight a a wet moment of our week whether that be um a form of media that was consumed a wet TV show book uh, whatever or just like something really wet that happened to you in real life um that's physically wet so yeah w- we can go first uh and yeah, Sophie, what what was wet that you did or that happened to you this week? So I had a a wonderful uh Sham uh evening where I oh, watched I thought you were gonna say Chalamet. Oh no, no. Um I was no. like, we gotta we can't talk about him every single no, episode. Yeah, me and Timote um, were yeah, we're not I just yeah, I just wish he were, you know different pants yep. it's my yep. only regret yeah, it just, he's, he's yep. always wearing the pants those pants he's young those he's those young. gen z pants um i i do wait i just one moment yes, yes, yes. is the problem that the the pants are too um tight they're too loose they're too tall they're too big they're too small um they just they evoke just a feel they just evoke a, a feeling of ennui in me is is how oh, I feel. Okay. They're are they whimsical? They're whim. They're too whimsical, but they're also yeah. like dad pants at the same t- time. Like his Instagram. I don't know if you follow his Instagram, but it's like it's just like real. It it's well, it's like a a, bo- a man's Instagram. It's just like slice of life photos of of what feels like a sophomore in college is is really the vibe the vibe of it and it's like you are a millionaire um it's stressful it's like why like why are you at a dorm um mm, it's it's like artsy it's to him. Artsy, and it's like yes, that's like yes. real life mm-hmm. to the rest of it's us like but are- okay <laughs> um yeah yeah so i guess yeah maybe i think they're too big i think that's the thing is they're too oh, okay. big um but yeah. you went down a Shyamalan rabbit hole. I did. So I did watch uh, the movie Old. It was Ugh. Time, uh, yeah. <laughs> which was great. It was, uh, was it, it was a time because you were aging rapidly. <laughs> yes. Yeah, yeah. I was. I was aging. It made me older, um, which was really exciting. Um, Rachel, do you know this movie? Do you? Uh, yes, it's the one where they go to the beach and then yeah. they, they're just very old and. <laughs> yeah. There's no way off the beach. They 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 fall asleep if they try to go off the beach. Yes, they yes. Sleepy. The rocks make you old, and be like, I can spoil this movie, right? Are we? I I'm a person who does not care about spoilers. Okay. Rachel, yeah. do you care? Sure, spoil me. So the rocks <laughs> are making them old, and he scientists fucking did it. He did the same thing as the happening, but yes. with rocks instead of trees. Yes, yeah. So the rocks this make you man. old, and 
instead scientists instead of studying the rocks they're like what if we gave people medicine and so the medicine and then we get to basically do what would be like decades long drug trials oh. we can do them in a sh- in like a day because people oh, are aging okay. <gasps> so they select people with uh illnesses um to see and they give them pills at the beginning um but it's but he but Shyamalan's like what if it was like fucked up uh that's already fucked up but what if we just put children there who aren't sick um and yeah and as always just love lovely depictions of mental illness and and yeah, everything Shyamalan else Shyamalan loves so, to do that yeah but then but then after that I watched Signs and I was like ooh I really I love signs. Like I still, I'm on board, and and both wet movies. But the yeah. the most amazing thing I think has happened in my relationship where I I was watching it. And I was like, Parker, have you seen this movie? And he, uh, my boyfriend, and he was like, No. I was like, But you know the twist, right? And he's like, Nope. I was like, Oh, it's pretty famous. Well, the- now you're talking about no, Sixth no, no, no. Sense. I was signed. Oh, oh, oh. And then I was sorry. like, Parker, have you seen the Sixth Sense? And he was like, Oh no. And I'm like. Do you know what the twist is in The Sixth Sense? And he was like, nope. And I was like, so he is a a man who I, if he was in a room with like Brad Pitt, George Clooney, would have no idea who they are. (laughs) He he doesn't remember the plot of any movie we've ever seen or or that we've seen that movie. Um, His favorite movie is Birdman. He can't tell me a single person who is in it. Or what it's about, which is understandable. Birdman is like, it's not straightforward. But I'm just like, realism. how do you miss 20 years of pop culture jokes about this? And then sense? he was like, wasn't he like, oh, I think I know the twist. It's that, it's that the uh, kid, the can, kid see can, see, can see dead people. And Sophie, you were like, oh, how do I not tell him that's that's the premise? That's not the twist uh, yeah i told him i was like that's the premise of the movie yeah but Sophie, I, i'm just impressed i feel like i'm learning a lot about your boyfriend extremely quickly <laughs> and i feel like we might need to slow down because i'm still processing i'm still thinking his favorite movie is birdman <laughs> <laughs> like that's still where i am so yeah because he would it's his favorite movie and i have his permission to to talk about this i was like Sometimes he gets embarrassed, but I've met his permission for this. Um, he went to Birdman thinking it was a Marvel movie. <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, my God. He thought it was going to be a superhero movie. And he was so – and he doesn't like superhero movies, so he was so pleasantly surprised that he's like, this is my favorite movie of all time. Why was he going to a movie he didn't want to see? I don't know. I he, I think he like just went with with someone. I he's never. I always choose what movies we're gonna watch. <laughs> okay. Like he, he uh-huh. we, on his own, he will watch things. Like when left to his own devices, he will watch all of Dawson's Creek. He's watching Down to Nap. He'll just choose things <laughs> at random. Just yeah, but. If you choose something for him, he doesn't want to know. He doesn't want to see a trailer. He doesn't want to have a plot summary. Well, he just wants to go in blind. And he also, so he, isn't it true? He d- he does really love magical realism, right? 
Yes, he loves magical. He I loves think them. now it's starting to dawn on me. That's because he then he doesn't have to explain the plot or what it means or anything because magical yes. realism yeah. can be interpreted in so many different ways. And like, what even is it? Uh, yeah. And so that just gets him off the hook for having he can just be like, oh, well, you know, it's Birdman. What what even is it? Right. Oh, he, man. he doesn't like too much plot. He's like, I only like vibes. Yeah. So, okay. Yeah, I I think Annihilation is like a good good example of that for sure. But yeah. anyway, um Caitlin, what about you? <laughs> oh, okay. So my wet moment of the week is something that I promised when we recorded the last episode. I it came up and you were like, Have you talked about this on the podcast yet? And I was like, No, I haven't. So I'll bring that uh as my wet moment. And so I'm excited to talk about it with Rachel. So I lived in a house for five years in Minnesota uh, growing up that was infested with garter snakes. And when I say infested, I mean they were everywhere, like in the downstairs area of my house, not like Indiana Jones dropping into the well of souls, (laughs) like the floor is moving. But I mean, you would be... You know, you'd be playing Nintendo downstairs and then like you would see something moving out of the corner of your eye and it would be a snake. Um, So a greater greater number than would be charming. A greater number than would be charming. Yeah, I, I would say so. Because, yeah, it's like and so the thing is, they were garter snakes, which are not they're harmless. Like they I think. I mentioned them on the last episode because I was like, well, I've gotten bitten by snakes a bunch of times and it was fine. It didn't really hurt. <laughs> and, and that was another thing that they just wanted to gloss over. Yeah. Like, just, oh, yeah, I've been b- bitten by snakes all the time. Yeah. Um, and I was like, well, yeah, when I grew up in the snake house, uh, which my family <laughs> just refers to as the snake house. And we didn't know it was a snake house when we moved into it. Um, the people before us did not tell us. The realtor did not tell us. But they knew uh you couldn't not know uh the whole neighborhood knew and the houses around us also had a snake problem but not ever like in their houses like the problem the so the problem was the foundation of my house was built on a garter snake nest so the net like the problem was originating from under our house wow. and we lived in front of some woods and there was like gorgeous wildlife that would show up in our our backyard like deer and bunnies and all kinds of birds like it was but also snakes um and that's how we kind of pitched it to the next people that bought the house we were like they were really big like outdoorsy people and we were like oh you wouldn't believe the wildlife that we have here you're gonna love it and i think they were also really um really religious and they were like we love all of god's creatures and we were like god has so many creatures here for you snakes <laughs> famously a good sign a good symbol yeah, yeah, and in infestation of serpents <laughs> gonna be a good omen for you um I feel like I feel yeah. like that co- I feel like that conversation can become offensive quickly. You're like Christians like snakes, <laughs> yeah, right? Yeah, exactly. They're in all your books. You <laughs> This is one of the best characters from the book. It's like the main one of the main characters in a book. Yeah. So, um but yeah, so anyway, this snake house was oh yeah, so this was wet because I mean, yeah, they're just the snakes are not wet necessarily because 
you know, they people think they are, but they just look like they're wet, but they're really slimy. Um, something that you had to do in my house that I don't know was common practice in other houses growing up um, was that you had to like anytime you went to go get a toilet paper tube, you had to like sh- shake it out because there would be a snake <laughs> inside. <laughs> Um, or not a toilet paper tube, a paper towel, a paper tube. towel, or um, wrapping paper, something like that. Mm. You'd have to shake mm-hmm. it out. Um, oh and then okay, the wettest thing about about the snake house was, and this is like one of my favorite stories to tell. Uh, <laughs> so I'm really happy I'm like getting it recorded Buckle for posterity. Um, mm-hmm. <laughs> so my mom was is probably still like really scared of snakes i would say like phobia level very afraid of snakes i don't know how she lived there for five years it was not fun and i think she like went to see a therapist about it and uh because it was like a nightmare constantly to live (laughs) through that if you stayed on the upper levels you probably wouldn't encounter a snake they rarely thank god rarely got up there I'm not mm-hmm. going to say never, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> so they she went. I think a therapist one time was like, I think you need to like let your like get get close to one and let yourself uh, feel that you are in control and that they are harmless and that you they're afraid of you. And maybe like try to try to like kill one or something like if you if. <laughs> I, I don't know if they encouraged her to kill one or not. She just said like mm-hmm. she in therapy was working on like getting closer to them. And one day she went out into the garage and she, there was like a huge, big, fat, like thick one um, laying across <laughs> the, the floor. And she was like, oh, my God, th- this is the moment, I guess. Like it's it's waiting for me. It was like a standoff. And she grabbed a shovel and like went for it and chopped it in half and then learned at that moment that garter snakes are one of the only uh, breeds of snake that bears live young instead of laying eggs like most snakes. So it was a really big snake because it was pregnant and all of these baby snakes just like started pouring out of this snake just like all over her shoes and just set her back so far in therapy and like she yeah um Kaylin, I'm sorry that you grew up in the shimmer. I'm really I know. gotta be yeah. tough. A lot of the stuff that was happening in this movie, I'm like, what's the big deal? <laughs> Come on. You know, like, <laughs> when when Sophie was telling us about her boyfriend whose favorite film is Birdman, I'm like, this podcast can't get wilder. <laughs> uh, nope. Uh, but Caitlin, thank you for bringing us, uh, heightening us to the next level. Yeah, you're welcome. Um, and Rachel, your wet moment, it doesn't need to be, it can be anything, but it can be from the last week or anything that you want to share that's wet. Um, yeah, sure. Um, the last week I uh, bought some cheap white sneakers, immediately got them dirty, and uh, learned that bleach does not always uh, whiten sneakers. Sometimes it just makes them gray. So now oh, no. I have gray sneakers. Oh, no. So that is really shocking that it yeah. that it made it gray. So did it at least lighten what was done or did it make it like a completely different color that you would have never imagined like it was some sort of chemical reaction 
Yeah, it wasn't a chemical reaction. It's just like a shitty white. It didn't okay. lighten, mm-hmm. but it didn't solve. It didn't. I was looking for a solution to the problem instead um, of another problem. Yeah, yeah. Of another problem. Yeah, that is. I like. White tennis shoes, uh, white sneakers in particular are really hot right now. And I really want some, but I'm like, I, I'm not a good candidate for that (laughs) because I, like you, would immediately get them dirty. And actually, for Christmas, my dad asked for white sneakers and they were really cool. Like, they're, I, I have friends with like the same pair and I just, had it took everything in me not to be like dad okay are we throwing money away i don't know (laughs) (laughs) yeah that's disappointing uh yeah i've never claimed to understand what bleach is and and, like my relationship to it yeah but i definitely understand the metaphor of like trying to solve your problem and then you have a sec like and then you create a new problem and some sometimes that works for me because like all right Second problem. I'm not. Don't have the first problem anymore. Yeah, In just a way, a, just a different yeah. problem. Yeah, because you're <laughs> you like, did well, solve it. Yeah. maybe you know, it's it could be like, um, you know, the story of somebody who trades like a like a thumbtack for a, a, up to a house or something. You know, like you <laughs> trade or you start with a paperclip and you trade somebody for a paperclip and then oh. like they'll give you a pen for the paperclip okay. and then you trade somebody like a pen for a stapler and then you tra- like you go up until you get a house mm-hmm. i don't know if that's like <laughs> a fable I, what is that <laughs> i don't i don't think it's an economic like principle or theory but, but you know but what i'm talking about yeah yeah why did i bring that up <laughs> i don't what were we I, talking about i think the idea that you're creating a second problem which yeah. is closer oh, yeah. ultimately exactly to May, mm-hmm. like you might just eventually get to a a problem that you can solve. <laughs> yes. Bigger and bigger problems. Or you might just get, yeah, create bigger and bigger problems. Exactly. It might just be that. But yeah, but uh, bleach, the concept of sneakers in in it in of themselves are, I'm going to say, are wet. Yeah. Um, uh, as soon as one says sneakers, immediately... Like it calls to mind like squeaking noises, mm-hmm. and I imagine mm-hmm. just like like the first time you you said the word Rachel, I imagine just like just like putting the foot of the sneaker in my mouth and just chomping down on it on the rubber. We all thought about that. Right? We all we were all thinking it. <laughs> uh, sneakers, they really are the most um, chewy, delicious shoe. They're probably yeah, probably the most edible shoe. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, leather. Leather, cro- uh, Crocs. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Crocs would be pretty. Yeah. I could eat a Croc. <laughs> I know. I know. <laughs> <laughs> Something I know about you. Yeah. Um, so, but yeah, starting with you, Rachel, what is, uh, what is your prior relationship to Annihilation, if any? Uh, sure. Uh, so I have seen Annihilation twice now. I saw it today um, on YouTube. Or $4. And then uh, previously, I watched it in theaters when it first came out. So uh, it was a chance for me to revisit it. Um, I'm going to Venmo you $12 because I I will neither confirm or deny that I pirated this. But if it's not going to (laughs) be on a streaming site. But um, 
Yeah, yeah. I the same. I uh, saw wow. It so both of you saw theaters. this on giant screens. <gasps> yeah, it was upsetting. That's terrifying. Um, but I was a big Ex Machina fan, so I was like, "Yeah, Alex Garland. Let's. What else are you going to cook up with Oscar Isaac?" And I was. It. I liked it, but it, it was. It's perplexing, and and I think I actually watching it this time. I liked it more because I just kind of went with it instead of expecting it to be something like more a regular science fiction thing like like Ex Machina, more traditional. Um, and yeah, but there's this movie, there's scenes from it that have forever scarred me. So that's my other relationship to it. Yeah. Yeah, I have also this is also the second time I've seen this movie. So um, two's two's all around. Um <laughs> <laughs> as, as, we as they say, say. <laughs> Two's all around. Um, when you grow up in the snake house that's what you say <laughs> uh, <laughs> so i but the first time i saw it was on an airplane which is not oh. the ideal way to see a movie but i was excited because it came out in theaters uh you, you know, they do that on airplanes where I think it was still in theaters, but I got to see it for free on an airplane and on a tiny screen, like at eye level, but pretty far away um, in front of me, which is how I like to watch horror movies anyway. For some reason, if it gets if I put it further away, that then yeah. it's like less scary. I guess that makes sense because I just said the fact that but I but the, the point is I Feel, this movie would be so creepy on a big screen like so yeah. scary um because yeah they're even on the tiny airplane uh screen it was pretty scary and so yeah i was excited to get a second chance to watch it because watching things on an airplane is not you get interrupted by like the bing bongs and <laughs> <laughs> and the you know them telling you about what height you're at and a bunch of dumb bullshit yeah i don't want to know that information i want to know how close we are don't tell me no or what speed we're going at they tell you that no i'm not supposed to know about that every time they interrupt i'm like now i might not finish this movie i'm not (laughs) so um you mean because like the plane could crash no no because like for example, I didn't get to finish Suicide Squad, or yeah, Suicide Squad, not the newer one. Okay. I didn't get to finish that, not that I need to, and I just missed like the last few minutes because we landed, and I was like, if they hadn't stopped and paused and made so many goddamn announcements, maybe I could have finished Suicide Squad. (laughs) (laughs) I don't think that's what I was thinking. You should have, they should have a direct line to the pilot going like, hey, I'm almost done with my movie. Can we make like a couple more, uh, circle yeah. the, uh, the tarmac a couple more times? That like the way you do too. with a car. Yeah. You know when you're listening to a, a song in a car and you like take, you know, drive around the block so you can finish yeah. the song? Yeah. Like there should be that option. Yes. Absolutely. There really should be. Um, otherwise don't let you, don't give you movies. Don't give me a movie if I don't get to finish it. <laughs> This ironically is like your Joker origin story. <laughs> yeah. Is Ugh. from the suicide not being able to see Suicide Squad, not being able to see the king himself, Jared Leto, um, do his thing. Yeah. Um but but yeah, that's 
<laughs> so I uh, yeah, that's yeah. all to say. I was I was happy to watch it again, um, and not be interrupted by stuff and be you know yeah. sitting by strangers and mm-hmm. all of that. Uh, mm-hmm. so yeah, this movie was shockingly wet. I mm-hmm. I feel like mm-hmm. I didn't even remember from the first time how truly wet it is. Um, I f- yeah, let's just get into it. It starts with like images that won't make sense until later um just Mm. images of like ferro fluid which is that like magnetic it's like magnetic fluid i don't know you if you've ever seen how that moves but it's that and then it like turns into a close-up of cells dividing Mm -hmm. yeah so and so this and my question is uh because i didn't don't think i realized this uh the entire and I don't know how I couldn't because it's very obvious uh, that the whole movie takes place in Florida. And, <laughs> it's a Florida uh, Caitlin, is this an accurate. This is just what it's like to go to Florida, right? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Kay- yeah. And you're because you also lived in Florida for a while. Yeah. After we lived yeah. in Minnesota with snakes uh, for several years, we were like, "Ooh, not enough reptiles, not enough. <laughs> no, not enough scaly things slithering around. Let's move to the swampland. So then we moved to Florida. Um, and yeah, this is this was accurate. It didn't. I actually both times the whole time, to- the whole movie uh, didn't realize this took place in Florida until I was like reading so many summaries of of what happens in the last few scenes really the last scene um because i i swear to god they describe shit that like i kept rewinding and like could not Mm -hmm. see but anyway um in every in every plot summary it talks about how they're they're in florida and i was like oh i remember thinking like this is this this is some swampy florida shit um (laughs) the whole time so yeah it's accurate and where and where is uh, John Hopkins? Because uh, I know that's like where a lot of the first like section of the film is. That's in Baltimore. Located. So it's in Baltimore. yeah, okay, yeah. I think that she. So Oscar Isaac, as maybe the Shimmer Oscar Isaac, mm-hmm. he walks to Maryland from Florida. Is that what this movie's telling me? So at where, the beginning, here's when the he thing. shows up to her house. Where is the lighthouse? That's in Florida. That's, that's in the Shimmer. Al- okay, that's mm-hmm. also in Florida. Yeah. Um. So, yeah, but but we also know that um the I don't know what to call it, but the Shimmer. Yeah, the Shimmer version of mm-hmm. somebody like at the end, Natalie Portman is it like meets the Shimmer person inside the hole thing, the cave. Yeah, and mm-hmm. then she goes out of the hole and turns and and the shimmer person like is there like seemingly teleported yes so oh so you think that the shimmer yeah it can yeah or it can like mix itself in car dna and become a car exactly freddy krueger style (laughs) um (laughs) but yeah i think that like um uh i would also assume that there's like teleportation or some sort of like alien magic involved because i would assume that if he stepped out of the shimmer that, like, the military would have noticed. Yes, it's a really pedantic thing to... Be, that That's where this doesn't make sense. Um, <laughs> but it is, yeah, but it is confusing. Yeah. Um, so, 
Rachel, one of the reasons why um, we chose this movie is we did The Thing two weeks ago, and we were making a lot of jokes about, like, uh, it not passing the Bechdel test, and we're like, oh, we want a female reboot of The Thing. And then I realized that's just Annihilation. It really, it like, yeah. truly, not beat for beat. No. Um, it's, like, very different themes. Um, but it's maybe, like, how women would have responded to to the the thing um yeah so right away uh natalie portman has some pretty wet dialogue <laughs> she says the cell we're looking at is from and it, this also like is foreshadowing and sums up a lot of the themes of the movie the cell we're looking at is from a tumor female patient early 30s taken from the cervix over the course of the next term, we will be closely examining cancer cells in vitro and discussing autophagic activity. Um, and that prompted me to be like, a lot of times with these sci-fi movies that throw out a bunch of like scientific dialogue and jargon, we refer to it as like, we have a scale that we like to use of how like realistic and actually scientific um, that is. And... Uh, this is the um, Prometheus scale because of the movie Prometheus, the Ridley Scott movie um, that's like in the Alien franchise. And because the movie, like they use a lot of scientific and medical jargon and it's none of it makes sense. Like when you break it down, it's not it's not delivering any coherent information whatsoever. And I hesitate to do that in this case because I wonder if there were like real scientists involved in either this or or the book I know I don't know if either of you read um that the the director said that he it's not like uh an adaptation necessarily it's more just like the vibes that he got when he read Mm -hmm. the book (laughs) was what and I like that I like that he was like um he the exact quote was um he's it's a memory of the book rather than book reference screenwriting mm-hmm. with the intention of capturing the dreamlike nature and tone of his experience reading Vandermeer's novel mm-hmm. S- rather than du- trying to ad- directly adapt the book which he was like I can't do that it's like really the book I have not read the book but it must be just like a, a very immersive experience that mm-hmm. would not be easy to replicate on film so this is just like if the Ella Enchanted people had just said that and admitted yes. that they weren't making mm-hmm. an adaptation, I would have respected it. I yeah. would have respected it. But this is mm-hmm. all to say, I don't know if there's like more science in the book or if like, I don't know, what do, what have you, what do y'all think about the, the realism of the science in this, in this movie, in this picture? <laughs> I think it's like, I, I think it's like, obviously... Ridic- ridiculous and like to a scientist like w- wouldn't make sense but that's like not but it's also not really it's obviously not the point and it's not as like it's not as ridiculous as Prometheus where they're like oh we can just turn up a, a corpse's head to 40 percent to make it just a little bit alive so it can speak yeah <laughs> um yeah I, there was a like uh I would say that yeah the the more ridiculous thing is just like I think the 
professions that were chosen mm-hmm. and the reason people were chosen to go into the- I did like it because they were like the 80th team, right? So they were like, yeah, why not? Let's just put the trauma team. Yeah. The- well, also, Let's just put the, the this was, people with baggage, make them go. This was um, Ventress's like special team because she yes. has different goals in mind. To- so yes. I feel like this was handpicked mm-hmm. so that they could... G- Whoever could, uh, this was who think, this was who she thought could get the closest to her mm-hmm. goal. And she was right because, um, they're, yeah, for whatever reason, they're, they're able to mm-hmm. keep it together the longest and get, um, get to f- figure it out, um, figure out a, a solution, whatever happens. Mm-hmm. Um, I, okay, so something that Natalie Portman says, she and Oscar Isaac are like, are talking about, uh, if are talking about God and if God makes mistakes and Natalie Portman says you take a cell circumvent the hay flick limit you can prevent senescence that's a that's a sentence and then to explain it she says it means the cell never grows old it becomes immortal keeps dividing doesn't Mm -hmm. die and this is the shit where i'm like i don't know how accurate (laughs) any of this is what the fuck is a hay flick limit like how do you circumvent it so the i don't know what it is (laughs) but it's basically let's see if the hay flick um, limit is real it can only it's okay so it's Human oh. cells can only divide and replicate so many times before they have to stop. Okay. So if they could divide forever, like the shimmer does, you would just you can uh, prevent senescence. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You just look look like everyone okay. would look like Natalie Portman forever. Yeah. Yeah. Just like Natalie Portman does. Uh, or <laughs> yeah. She. I meant to say that like she. Um, <laughs> She's very youthful. Yeah, but, she's circumvented um, senescence. Oh, and yeah. when they talk about circumventing senescence and shit, they get horny as fuck. Rachel, are you you gotta talk about circumventing the hay flick limit? This was the only like <laughs> horny sexy scene. Is their little t- tickle fight? Yeah. Well, there's also there's also the uh the cheating sequence, which oh, I'm yeah. Sure oh also yes, yeah. Cover. Which is not mm-hmm. sexy, but that it's not <laughs> supposed to be. Um, even though sex is involved um but yeah okay so then like then natalie Portman's science jargon checks out see so this is not this is not prometheus level this is perhaps the most scientifically accurate movie so far (laughs) question mark i think so uh yeah we're gonna put it over on that over on that end this might be our barometer for the the opposite of prometheus might be annihilation yeah um Mm -hmm. You know, they, the characters seem smart to me. Um, yeah, I like that. <laughs> I like that reading. I feel like uh, I want to almost like apologize because I feel like um, there's this line in contact. They, they sent a scientist when they should have sent a poet. And I feel like you guys <laughs> booked a poet when you should have booked a scientist. Because uh, I'm like, yes. I don't, I can't speak to the science at all. They It seems, <laughs> it seems fine. <laughs> My feeling, my feeling about the science is that um, you get away with a lot when you have aliens because obviously yeah. they're so yeah. advanced, and you know our science is defined by the tools we can use. So obviously, if there's a bunch of weird shit going on, we can't explain. I would just um, assume that's the limits of our own tools to examine and measure what's happening. 
uh, and therefore you get to tell whatever story you want because I just assume I just blame the tools. Yeah, and, and I – no, I agree. And this is also not – not only is it, like, an alien movie, it's not, like, signs where they um, – where the aliens, like, have a goal and you can and, and you can see what, what it is. Uh, and Mel Gibson, you know, it has to get his faith back. Um, I – yeah, this – I love that um, – yeah, the science is pretty – it seems to be pretty accurate in this movie, but – the part that like a lot of other science fiction shit tries to make really accurate is like what it actually is, what the thing right, is. Right. And this movie is so vague about it and like you're, unapologetically it's the so. Cosmic, cosmic horror. Yeah. Uh, like you're not going to un- understand. We, uh, and the idea that like we don't know what it wants. Yeah. And does it even want and like does is it, it capable want? of wanting? Yeah. yeah. I really like the line that I think Cass has, uh, the Russian woman. Who's just mm. like, uh, she's like uh, the rock scientist. Uh, this is giving you a sense of how much I know. Uh, <laughs> uh, she's like, oh yeah, I've been studying the rocks uh, or like putting out tools and they're just, it's like confetti in a windstorm. And I'm like, that's yes. a perfect way of describing I, the feeling of this movie. Yep. Were there a lot of rocks for her? I mean, a, yeah, geologists, like, it's, a, like, there's other stuff. But I think we should have sent her, when, when we're, like, doing team captains, we should have sent her to the beach for mold. Ha, yes, and exactly. Then, <laughs> and then taken Gal Garcia Bernal's character, who's an insurance adjuster, who, like, he, like, evaluates risk. Don't try to get me to believe that. <laughs> Gal Garcia Bernal is an insurance adjuster. Don't try to. That's the sickest thing that, 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 that Shyamalan has tried to pull. Yeah. No, Caitlin, no like, Caitlin, is. do you think it's sick because insurance <laughs> adjusters can't be hot? Do you think it's sick because insurance adjusters can't be short? Oh, uh, leaning more towards the first one, but then okay. it sounds offensive because I'm sure there are definitely hot insurance. I just, the, I think it's that, it's that, he has too much just like raw like sexual energy and mm-hmm. it, and that you it, you couldn't get me to believe that he is interested in insurance adjusting yeah. yeah yeah he's just interested in like having chemistry with people and 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 the viewer yeah That's- no <laughs> i don't know how shamalan emmanuel shamalan did it but he really yeah he de-eroticized a very a very a very beautiful very beautiful man. Ooh, is, um, that's the twist. All the characters were. That's the twist. That's the twist. <laughs> it's never of, like, sexy. His- <laughs> Wait, are you telling me that there's no like scene where he and Vicky creeps like kiss? There's nothing there because that to me is a much bigger spoiler than the cause of why they're getting old. I I know. I what's wild is um you know my favorite of his movies. Itumam. I'm. I won't overpronounce it. Itu mama tambien. Um, uh, yes, I took Spanish. Yes, I studied abroad. It's not a big deal. Itu mama tambien. That's all about trying to find a beach, a mythical beach that they made up and then they find. And so I wonder if he was like, this needs to be like a, a, a it's, it's all coming together. Like, yeah, like poetry. I need to do another beach movie. Um, or... Yeah, there's actually a lot of parallels between the two movies, but but yeah, no no makeout scene, no wow, no bisexual makeout scene. Unfortunately, I don't missed I don't opportunity. I know. Yeah, yeah. So they get this team 
uh, Oscar Isaac starts just like exploding. <laughs> <laughs> he just starts, yeah, just like expelling liquids from himself. He mm-hmm. shows back up after being gone for a year and they think he's dead. And Natalie Portman and him have this have this scene uh, sitting across a table and they the camera like she gets him a little a little tiny glass of water um, mm-hmm. and she hands it to him and they the camera like looks through the glass through the water and and them holding hands is sort of refracted through the water and mm-hmm. sort of mirrored and uh, foreshadowing everything that's going to happen and then. A similar scene happens at the very end, too, which I really want to talk about because that's the shit where I rewound it 8,000 times and people say there's something that happens that I cannot see happening. So we can talk about it. But um, so she's like, whoa, Oscar Isaac's acting weird. Um, You know, it's he's so hot, but like he is starting to like explode blood. So (laughs) um so some shady organization just snatches uh, him and her up. And, and by shady uh, organization, we mean the government. Yeah, the well, U.S. government. Yes, we yeah, come yeah. to find we come to find which that it is the is U.S. A fair, government, fair take. which is yeah, the, yeah which is yeah. accurate. Um, and it turns out that they've been, and this is where like I did get <laughs> mad, and I was like, oh, where is the real life version of this? Where like they've been at this site where something, uh, I think we see it happen, a comet. Is that like the first thing that happens? Like, a yeah, co- it's it's just like the thing. We yes, see it land. Yeah. Uh, so like in, yeah, a comet hits the lighthouse, and um, yeah, that's the hole that it punches in the floor of the lighthouse, and uh, it turns out that the government's been there for like over a year, set and has set up camp and has been studying this, which that makes me think like, what's the stuff that we don't know that they've been there studying it already? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, but people think that all the time. I think what's weird is like you could probably see the shimmer from the sky or from far away. I understand that they were like probably blocking off the national park where it was, mm-hmm. but I don't know. But again, that's not like these little details. It's not it's not what the movie's about. Mm-hmm. It's not about lo- logic. No. It's not about facts. No. It's about it's about vibes. Yep. Yeah. So then like you're introduced to the cat oh and you find out that Oscar Isaac had been in there. He was part of the last crew, the previous crew that went into the shimmer which is this phenomenon that has been happening since the comet hit the lighthouse that in in an expanding uh circumference fortnight style i guess (laughs) the radius gets bigger um the shimmer is expanding and like doing something to stuff inside of it but they can't we don't know what it is because nothing has come back and they we can't get data we can't get sounds or sights or no, it really is. Back. It looks like Lisa Frank's Chernobyl. It like yes. It it uh, it's expanding. It's kind of like changing the the wildlife, changing organisms, uh, but in like a shimmery rainbow, uh, beautiful, be- beautiful way. Yeah. Um, the shimmer to me itself, like it's like yeah, ir- iridescent veil. It that's that's cri- that's a critically wet concept. To oh me. yeah. Of having having a shimmer, uh, and as soon as we see it, it's you see it, and then you hear like the announcement music soundtrack that it's that it's the shimmer, and yeah, you're like, 
Hell yeah, it's the shimmer. It actually uh, probably has, um, uh, it, it, to me, it re- what it reminds me of is the movie Color Out of Space. Uh, if you Ooh, guys have I don't seen know that. it. I'm going to look it up, though. Tell oh, us about yeah. it. Uh, Color Out of Space is a um, movie with Nicolas Cage in it, which is about also a comet that comes <gasps> from space. Um, and it changes. It also has a lot of the same effects of the comet from this uh-huh. movie in that it sort of causes overgrowth and it causes things to uh, be colored magenta, which is apparently uh, what our brains process a certain part of the spectrum of light that we can't actually see. Uh, so it's considered this like wow. unseeable color. Uh, so, and that way, that might be a fun like sibling film to this one. Oh yeah, I love that. Yeah, I just looked up the poster. Is so awesome. cool. Same colors as in this. Yeah, I wonder. Yeah, I bet people have d- done a lot of um, comparisons to that because kind of the it's a vaporwave quality to it. Is is how I would describe it. Oh, yeah. um, oh but it that's came out so in interesting. Twenty nineteen too. So it's almost like it couldn't have it couldn't have drawn the visuals from Annihilation because they were likely being filmed around the same time. So it just kind of simultaneously uh, came out, and it's also based on a. It's also based on, I believe, a Lovecraft short story. So yes. the Lovecraft story is very old. Uh, it's probably um, older than the book that Annihilation's based on. It's definitely oh, older for sure. than the movie Annihilation. <laughs> oh, yep. yes. And something I love is, yeah, the uh, Jeff Vandermeer's books are, are relatively recent. And the di- who's the director of, of Annihilation again, Sophie? Alex Garland. Alex Garland um, was a big fan of Annihilation, but decided to make this movie before the second two books in the trilogy came out and never read the second two. And that's fine because Annihilation can also be read as a standalone book. Um, I think it's a cool movie. I don't think you need to have read the other two, but I do feel like any criticism that comes out about Annihilation, he's like, okay, well, I didn't actually read the other two. So I didn't, um, I didn't know that. Uh, Like anything that gets more explained or something, he's like, well, okay, but um, but actually, I didn't read the other two yet because they act- they hadn't come out, so you can't fault me for that. Mm-hmm. Um, which I just think is really yeah. funny, and that he got so excited about the first book, he like knew there was going to be two more, and he was like, "I'm not waiting. We're making it now." <laughs> yeah, you gotta, you gotta. It's also like it's also like a trilogy is a real commitment, and I feel like mm-hmm. not every director wants to like commit to. Uh, making three movies in the same world. That seems like a lot to me. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, two I two more two more of these in this universe. I couldn't I couldn't do it. Um no just, <laughs> you know, no more stomach snakes for me. No. Um yeah, so then yeah. Uh, Jennifer Jason Lee's character Ventress, I just said it earlier, Ventress. Ventress. Which is mm-hmm. an awesome name. Great name. Yeah. Great name. Uh, and she puts together this team. And I love the, the yeah, the characters are very distinct. They have mm-hmm. co- very cool, very specific and yet vague jobs. Um, I'm not yep. sure which ones have military training mm-hmm. and which ones don't. Uh, it's some, some of them do and some of them don't. But they uh, they go to the Shimmer and when they arrive, they we don't know what happens when they arrive because yeah. they yeah. wake up um, on sort of undetermined 
time. They pass out, not dissimilar from trying to leave the beach from old. <gasps> it's a similar. It's a similar principle. Um, oh well, yeah, we don't. Saying. Yeah, we don't know that it's not the rocks that's making them pass out. The the yeah. uh, geologist was the first one killed, so she never really got to find <laughs> out much about the rocks. She didn't get to look at any of the rocks. Yeah, involved. so the yeah. rocks could have been the ones making them pass out. Like they they're yeah. they're the first ones that initiate everything. Uh, one thing that I want to bring up, just because um, I don't know if this is going to come up naturally, I did just look up the word venti. Uh, I, Ooh. Um, and it means, uh, apparently it's uh, Italian, translates to winds. Um, and then I was just like, oh, it's ventress. Does it mean like a female wind? I don't know, guys. These I'm just throwing that out there. <laughs> I I think that is... I think that is top rate uh, film theory. Film, film theory to yeah. me. I see it because it's what like, does she turn into at the end of the movie? Looked like wind to me. There's that. There's also like she's the one who she just wants to keep pushing them forward. She just mm-hmm. wants to keep blowing them all forward and towards <laughs> yeah. the lighthouse, um, like a wind across the stormy seas. Like she just mm-hmm. like wants to keep pushing them there. So yeah. I think that's accurate for sure. I think. Yeah. Yeah. The, the, and this movie was very Italian. I can't <laughs> get into why, but just, if you don't, if you don't see the references, I can't, I can't explain. I can't explain to you why it's Italian. Um, what my favorite part of this movie is that it is very vague and it's like, no, 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 this is, it's all metaphor. Don't like you're, you don't get to know what the aliens are. And yet the characters each like a video game, you unlock their, their tragic backstory and they just tell you. Yes. And then they tell you what lesson they're learning in the shimmer. So like I wrote down because I was just like, and I think maybe, maybe that's like a, Maybe that was like a studio note or something, but um, but oh, I just yes, find that because um, I don't know how much was changed. I don't think a lot was changed, yeah. but initially test audiences were like, "We don't know what the fuck was going on. We don't like yeah. this. This was too confusing." So maybe I don't know. So the rock scientist, she's like, uh, we learn her tragic backstory first, and she's like, "My daughter died," and um, and then she's like, "In a way, it's two bereavements: my beautiful girl and the person I once was." And I was like. That's beautiful. And like in a book, I think that would work. But it's like you right. could – there. The, I feel like the movie was showing you that anyway. Yes. That like when you go into the shimmer, you also – like you become a new person. Yes. Um, there was another moment of that where – yeah, again, with like the way things unfold is so vague and beautiful and, and leads you there – uh, in a really in a way that makes sense so much of the movie is like that and then Ventress I think says this later where the whole like this has been clear the whole movie that like they're they're changing we've even sh- like Natalie Portman has already shown us that her DNA is changing she's looked at something on her, she's looked at her blood, her blood under yeah. the microscope like she's already seen that and Ventress later is like oh it's it's like I don't know if I what part of myself is me whatever and she says it's like the onset of dementia and you're like yeah, yeah that's what this is a metaphor for yeah or like the person <laughs> yes. i want the the person who reaches the lighthouse might not be the same person and you're yeah. like yeah yeah that's um uh, that's or the they're whole like point it's inside it. me and i'm like 
Yeah. Yeah. This we saw the snake video. Yeah. Yeah. Oh <laughs> God. Yeah. Oh, we're we are getting there. So okay. So before we get there, we get like the first. We get introductions to what's different about this world because at first we don't know what's different about inside the shimmer except for. Like devices don't work, electronic devices mm-hmm. don't work, um, their compasses don't work. And so they're on their own and they're kind of in the dark. And then uh, they see your, your first introduction is they see a bunch of flowers, very different looking flowers. And it's uh, more than one species growing on the same branch. And I think I forget who says it, but someone says it's like they're stuck in a continuous mutation. Which, again, sets the tone for the rest of the movie. But it's such a wet concept. A continuous mutation. And yet that's what is always happening in our bodies. Yeah. It's Mm -hmm. we are a continuous mutation, right? Um, So, yeah. And and that's why it's not that horrifying of a concept at first. Because it's Mm -hmm. like... Well, yeah, that's what we, that's what happens to ourselves. Um, and then, and then the giant crocodile comes in and it's like, oh, you do not think it this was scary because yeah. here, uh, here's a scary example of a continuous mutation. In case you were wondering uh, what that would look like. Yes, mm-hmm. yes. Um, then, yeah, the alligator is gigantic and has like a sarlacc pit inside its mouth. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. yeah, it's just, and it's like pulsing and the, its teeth are like moving and it's oozing. It's like extra teeth are, are oozing. And someone says something here is making giant waves in the gene pool. They're <laughs> still early on. They're still making like little puns and stuff. Wise. Yeah. Oh my God. Um, and yeah, Natalie Portman's still feeling, still feeling, uh, confident about things. She's like, we're here to do science. That's why we're here. So she takes out some little vials and she starts like scraping the oozing bloody mouth of the alligator or the crocodile. Mm-hmm. I, I should know. I should know my reptiles. <laughs> I should know my swamp creatures. I should have known which one alligator, it was. Alligator, right? If it's in Florida. That's what I would think. But I think we have crocodiles too, but mostly alligators, I think. Okay. Um, I mean, that creature was so mutated that there's no way to know. It would be- <laughs> Definitely not a uh, full alligator. It's just yeah. not full whatever it was. Yeah, uh, they said it had shark shark teeth in there too, yeah. and I'm like... Oof. So she starts just like scraping them and putting their like ooze into the, into the little vials to study later. And I'm like, at what point, like at the end of the movie, does she still have those? I, w- I don't know why I'm thinking about that. Right now. <laughs> she left her, she left her research, but I think at the end of the movie the shimmer's gone, so people can go collect okay. everything. It, yeah, that's it's gonna be a real weird uh, mess to clean up for sure. Yeah, yeah. Just imagining one guy with like a butterfly net, just catching giant mutated butterflies. Like, Get in here! <laughs> oh my god. Yeah, it wouldn't be all bad, right? Stuff Mm -hmm. gets fun for like Mm -hmm. a little bit until you reach the thing in the lighthouse. (laughs) Um, Yeah, so inside the shimmer, everything is iridescent. I noticed at the when they get to the swamp part that or the alligator part that the water has like it looks like the water has a layer of like gasoline on top of it. Yeah, because it's. Yeah, like rainbow and iridescent like that. And that's what mm-hmm. everything is, I guess. That's what the... everything looks like. So then they get to the previous like base camp and because the radius of the shimmer is expanding. They uh, this is where they used to set up. So this is also where the previous 
crew that was sent into the shimmer with Oscar Isaac, this is where they also kind of made base camp. And um, they start to encounter some really horrific stuff. In the theater, this is when I knew, yeah, this is when I knew I was in trouble. This is when I was like, oh, this is going to be like a life altering series of images that I see. Yeah. So Oscar Isaac is like, he's Samara from The Ring. (laughs) <laughs> where he films the he he films little like clue tapes for for whoever whoever finds it it's like it's kind of artsy and like done tastefully but like <laughs> and and it, uh, they get more like the one from the ring where the last one it starts with just like a series of disjointed images and then uh and then some stuff that he filmed but yeah so he leaves he leaves them uh, a tape and they put this tape in and the, yeah this is a a critically wet moment of this movie a critical wet moment of this podcast a critical wet moment in cinema um and one of the worst moments of my life i yeah. hate i can't imagine seeing I hate this. stomach snakes yeah, yeah. I, I hate <laughs> stomach snakes snake so, contestants yeah they mm. oscar they've there's a guy that's like moaning and something's wrong with him but he also seems a little bit sedated um and a bunch of other guys are kind of holding him down he's tied to a chair and oscar isaac like looks at the camera and he's like you gotta see this shit (laughs) (laughs) he's like he like cuts open a flap in his stomach freddy krueger style yeah yeah just Mm -hmm. like the full stomach and just like pulls it back so you can see what's going on inside his stomach and it is just his intestines or like a giant pink snake, pink worm, uh, are just like writhing around. And then Oscar, uh, like, fine. But then Oscar Isaac, like, if you found that, he puts his hand up in it and has, like, to show the camera, I guess. But it's, mm-hmm. like, moving across his bare, like, dirty hand. And, I, like, why? We already saw it. You don't need yeah. to do that. What? He just wanted to feel it. <sighs> <laughs> Yeah, I think that um, I know uh, you said that this movie wasn't sexy at all. I would say uh, the scene may be a, a little sexy. Uh, it is about Oscar Isaac opening a man and feeling his snake. So I feel like that might count. Yeah. Um, oh, yeah. <laughs> but very uh, unpleasant all the same. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And yeah. Yeah. yeah, this like, so I the, the first time I saw this was horrifying, but like it didn't. It didn't punch you in the face because, again, it was on an airplane. Um, it was on the seat back in front of me. But this time seeing it after watching The Fly and Brand New Cherry Flavor, uh, mm-hmm. the Netflix show, I, I, this scene, I was like, this is nothing. This, uh, what more do you got? Like this? I disagree. Stomach snakes. It's this particular th- It's a weird thing about me. I just... But nobody I don't, I don't ate anything. Nobody, nothing squirted. Nobody ate anything. No, nope, but it's the the idea of something writhing inside of you. No, mm. never. No, no. I, yeah. Or the the whole concept in this of you like changing on a on a DNA level uh, is it's not fun. Um, yeah, but yeah, definitely, definitely a critically wet scene and. Um, yeah, just, you know, guys hanging out, bonding. Um, but he, so the snake guy, he turns into like a spore explosion. Yeah, like pole. a mold thing. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, he uh, ruined that pool. <laughs> 
seriously. He really did. Yeah. He really did. Uh, he really, and that is a horrifying moment when um, somebody picks up the, maybe it's Tessa Thompson, picks up the knife that was used to cut him open and you realize she's standing in the exact spot that Oscar Isaac was in when he cut the guy, when he washed off his hands. So they're all standing in this like Dave Matthews band style dropping on top of you in Chicago, like poopy water. It's like this poopy, bloody guts water. And they're standing in it. Like, just the, the horror. And I was like, oh, my God. They're standing in all their, like, for her, she's like her loved one's bodily fluids. Like, she's mm-hmm. just standing in that. Um, yeah. And, yeah, looked like kind of a nice pool before that. I love it. It looked that, like a nice rec center. Yeah. yeah that was um, that was a smart, smart base camp to set up, honestly. I don't blame them. Pretty dope. And, oh, uh, later on when um, Gina Rodriguez... It is sort of like it. Everything is getting to her, and um, she is sort of breaking down. Um, she says, "When I look at my hands and my fingerprints, I can see them moving." <laughs> if I let you go and you tied me to a chair and cut me open. Are my insides gonna move like my fingerprint? <laughs> and just like referencing that again and knowing that like Natalie Portman having gone through seeing her blood changing and mm-hmm. Gina Rodriguez seeing her fingerprints moving around and Ugh. knowing that the like what you're Sophie the the thing that's horrifying for you like mm-hmm, knowing mm-hmm. that you've seen what could potentially be going on inside of you. Yeah. Um, is horrifying. I, I, yeah. Uh, Gina Rodriguez is really like freaked out about it, and she, but she's also like, I love it. She's in denial at first. She was like, I was a paramedic. You see stuff like that. It's a trick of the light. And I'm like, I don't know what the experience of a paramedic is. Like, you see, you probably see just like horrendous things. But I don't know about <laughs> stomach writhing yeah. stomach snakes. Yeah. yeah, it must just be cognitive dissonance. Yeah. Yeah, Gina Rodriguez is, like, an interesting character uh, in this film because she's basically, like, the only person who's not, like, like grooving to the vibe of the f- Like, everybody mm-hmm. else is, like, extremely mm-hmm. on board, like, okay, everything's really fucked up and we're changing and we're sort of dissolving. Uh, and she's, like, the only one who's sort of, like, denying the reality which they're all mm-hmm. facing. Yes. Uh, and that's why she's so mad. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And that's why she's mad. Um, yeah. And so this brings me to I I I don't know how to approach this because so a lot of what this movie talk like this movie is a metaphor for um a lot the obvious one is like cancer, um, mm-hmm. meaning cells uh doing something in your body and replicating in ways that you can't control and it it making your body change in ways that you can't control. That is totally a fair reading. It's like mm-hmm. obviously there. But a different reading um for me is is the metaphor of like we are constantly changing and the fluidity of the self and and mm-hmm. uh just succumbing yeah. to to uh, us changing and evolving and 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 that and so like that one that reading of it I I talk about sort of more positively because if it's the cancer reading like I wouldn't necessarily say the same things does that make sense yeah where would you go from that if 
yeah. It's like cancer's fucked up, which is very true. Right. But and and a lot of what we talked about on the fly, thing. that like um, watching your body mm-hmm. change and uh, in and you can't stop it is is very horrifying. But also just like aging, the aging process is like that. Um, and the fly is also about just aging and this movie, too. Um, so Ventress says, like, isn't self-destruction written into our DNA? And she gives this big speech about that. And I'm like, OK. This is the great speech and this is her perspective. I love this as mm-hmm. her perspective, but but the it's not so black and white. Like it's mm-hmm. not you're either self-destructing or you're not. Like you could just be making choices that yeah. change things um and becoming more comfortable like a uh, Tessa Thompson's character I think of with this like becoming more comfortable with the never-ending, relentless uh, inevitable nature of change and sort of leaning into that and going with that and seeing where that can go isn't necessarily self-destructing and therefore yes. bad. Um, so that's a lot of what my, how I read this movie. Yeah, she's a psychologist, and yeah, nothing she said is like in psychology. <laughs> like, like, yeah, as a mental health professional, uh, it's a like a great sentiment. Um, yeah, I also you know the idea that like. Uh, that people with unresolved baggage or trauma, like, are the right the right people to send on a uh, suicide mission is also very is that's a hot that also is a hot take. Oh, absolutely, um, yeah. Or that you would even need to have something like, what if they're just really interested and and are like, right. I. I want to go on the, the mission. That's part of the meta. The metaphor yes. part is like that they've been through all these things that have changed them, and then they go to this. They go to Florida and oh yeah, yeah and they have different reactions <laughs> yeah. to being in Florida. I do think that there's like probably, um, and I don't know if this is, it plays into the film as a film, but I assume there are ethical components to uh, creating teams of people who genuinely care if they die on what are almost assuredly suicide missions. Right. Like I feel like um, she's kind of like there's kind of this interesting pull of like who will do a good job on this suicide mission versus like who is willing like mm-hmm. who who can go in there with full information like to whom we don't have to lie on this right. suicide right. mission yeah mm-hmm. and this idea of like lying and how um like the major fish fisher point of fishering of the team is like based on like this one lie of a mission mm-hmm. that uh lena's character tells and this idea that um if she had told them up front then you know the back half of the movie might have looked very different mm-hmm. um because yeah. it's basically um uh gina rodriguez's character uh revolts and i think my assumption is that when she dies that that sort of untethers Tessa Thompson's character, um, as well as sort of causing Ventress's character to like to quit the idea of the team. Yes. And so like, there's this like embedded lie inside the team, which kind of like disintegrates it toward the middle of the film. It's mm-hmm. a really good point. Um, and yeah, yeah, I I also got the sense that yeah, the toll of having sent like seventy teams in there, <laughs> yeah, that Ventress goes through, that she's just like, fuck it, I gotta go in. Like, they were kind of. Caitlin, they were kind of a suicide squad. They were, were they? Kind of- <laughs> I mean, I don't know if you're the right person to 
make that call because you didn't see the last five minutes of it. From so. what I saw of the movie, they were definitely, definitely a suicide squad. Yeah. Um, Which, again, that's an insensitive way of, of, of describing it, but that I, I put that on Jared Leto, not on... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I All of the fault of that film is on him. I agree. Um, but, yeah, that... And, and then, so, right before Gina Rodriguez sort of, yeah, like, ties them up and... Um, and then is killed they there's this moment of like we we know that stuff is oh i think this is right after um the geologist is killed uh by the bear and um they are like okay we should we got to go back like we do we we should really go back this time or, or like now at this point and gina rodriguez is like we like we have to obviously and Natalie Portman says, I agree with you that we need to get out of this. But if we turn around, we would have to go back six days. But if we keep going forward to the coast where ostensibly we could get help from someone, that's two days ahead. So and like and then from Ventress's perspective, it was never a question. She was just going to go forward. Like this is a turning point where you sort of see all all of their perspectives. Um, and Tessa Thompson doesn't voice her opinion, but I think she would be more on the side of of let's let's um, they, again, they they say it exactly. They say, so you're saying that we get out by going deeper in. And again, a metaphor, a metaphor that I like. Um, yeah, go mm -hmm. go deeper in. Figure out like, I don't know, like get deeper more into the fluidity of things and and changing and and evolving. Um, I'm very into that. But yeah, so then before the bear part, um, they get to uh, they see a, a deer that's doubled. And mm -hmm. later you see, and that's like this effect where there's like two versions of the same creature, but one of them's like, when you see the deer, one of them's like rotten and one of them mm -hmm. is not, and they move the exact same way. And so that's, that, that will come up later. Um, and then the other thing they see is uh, like plants growing into the shape of people. Yeah. So this is where, this. yeah, a mm -hmm. bunch of wet dialogue comes up here from Tessa Thompson. She says, uh, the light waves aren't blocked, they're refracted, and it's the same with the radios. Signals aren't gone, they're scrambled. And she says, if you sequenced a, a leaf from one of the human plant things, you would find a human hawk's gene, which was something I've never, like, heard of before, but it, it's a cool concept that it's, like, the gene that contains the blueprint for how the human body is formed. Um, so those plants now contain that. So they form into these like human shaped plants. And Tessa Thompson says, the shimmer is a prism, but it refracts everything, not just light and radio waves, animal DNA, plant DNA, all DNA. Yeah. And these are creepy to look at, but I just kept thinking the whole time, nothing in this movie is as off-putting to look at as Tom Hanks in the Polar Express. Like... I, I kept I kept thinking that the whole time. I was like, sh I shocked. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's what he looks like. If you put him in into the Shimmer, he like because the in the Polar Express, all of the adult characters are voiced by Tom Hanks. So I think I'm sorry. Did you say all of the adult characters? <laughs> sorry. 
Guys, guys, should I have watched Polar Express before yeah. this recording this? Yes, yeah, it's... It is that time it's, of it's year. A, uh, it's a... Um, yeah, um, Tom yeah, Hanks voices reading. Tom Hanks voices all of the characters, Ec- with with the exception of like one with or two kids. Yeah, yeah. But he does voice um, a child. He does voice a child. I think that he went into the shimmer, and his DNA just got spliced, like just refracted into all these characters. And so. that's how we got the Polar Express. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I agree. But yeah, it's all mirror. It's all mirror. <laughs> it's all mirrors. Um. I know on our last episode we had our friend um, Jesse who was really obsessed with the mirrors and <laughs> enchanted. So I'd be really interested in what he'd think about the mirrors, yeah. the mirror concept in this. The mirrored um, concept, yeah. I like these mirrors. <laughs> <laughs> That's surprising. <laughs> I liked them. Okay, so yeah, then they get to this. Um, they find a house which. Uh, because they had to um, evacuate like the towns in the area. This was presumably someone's house who mm-hmm. who lived there. And they're, they're just like resting for a second. Natalie Portman's like checking her blood. Um, she's seeing her blood move around. And Gina Rodriguez just like ties them all to chairs and uh, and starts talking about how she can see her fingerprints moving. And then this they start to hear the geologist's voice, uh, her screaming. And the geologist was previously picked up by a bear mm-hmm. and killed. Yes. And the bear comes back. And this has, like, haunted me since I saw it in the theaters. Like, I had, like this was one of the, the most chilling experiences I've ever heard. <laughs> had in theaters oh i can't imagine it so loud like theater movie theater uh volume i can't of the bear screaming like i can't that would have the the sound of it would have freaked me out the most help help me like her last words are now like refracted or the bear just says says them or it's her i don't know i think in the theater i interpreted like she's part of the bear now and that part that i was like don't make me well, if I'm going to be killed by Tessa a bear, Thompson, I don't want to... Yeah, Tessa Thompson says the same thing. She says, I think, and this is just Tessa Thompson's interpretation. Okay. But yeah, I think as she was dying... Part of her mind became part of the creature that was killing her. Imagine dying frightened and in pain and having that as the only part of you which survives. I wouldn't like that at all. Um, and you wouldn't okay. like that at all either, Sophie. No. Yeah, no. And that's like her kind of uh, offering a prelude to her own sort of like moment of, um, you know, a, a self, a self death. Yeah, I'm not sure what to call it. Yeah, uh, wandering, wandering and becoming vines. Yeah, yes, because we yeah. don't know. Ultimately, we don't know what is on the other side of when you when you fuse with the DNA of this alien life form, um, or it's not. You don't fuse with the alien life form. The alien life form scrambles your DNA with everything around you, right? Mm-hmm. But you do have the shimmer. I, I we don't know. That's the point. It's like know. it's scrambling it up so you don't. You're not quite yourself anymore. Um, right. Till till the parts of you that are just you are so small in the grand scheme of it that like it's it's also a big metaphor for like how shit actually like really is in the universe. Like we are yeah. just. It is like annihilation. We're nothing. We're all scrambled up together in in the grand cosmos of things. Um, and I think Tessa Thompson, like, 
has thought about all of this stuff. I think there is something to all of these characters having been through really traumatic things Mm -hmm. that um, trauma does something to your body that prepares you for more trauma. And that's not a good thing because you had to go through trauma in the first place. But it really does prepare you for um, for Mm -hmm. like going through hard stuff and also you can potentially have great healing from it. Um, And Tessa Thompson may have experienced some of that or just like thought Mm -hmm. about it a lot more than the average person. Um, The metaphor of it was like framed as like acceptance. Yes. Like peaceful accept accepting like the, the, the cast rather than fighting it. Like whether that's like, like in the movie itself, whether that's her giving up, like, it's 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 complicated. It's yeah. it's and it's I don't see it. Scene, I though. don't read it as yeah. her like dying necessarily. I know that's how mm-hmm. we're meant to read it. And like right. when the shimmer goes away, she's not coming back. I don't think. I think we're we're meant to. We don't know, but um, but I I would be surprised. I wouldn't be surprised if she didn't come back. But like, mm-hmm. I saw it more as uh, a, a choice to go with the change and see what happens. Um, mm-hmm. in a different mm-hmm. way than. Uh, then Ventress goes about it. Tessa Thompson sort of goes more about it more in a more spiritual way, a more, um, yeah, m- mindfulness way rather than like, I need to figure out what it all means and, um, right. and f- yeah, see the answer. Radical acceptance. Yep. Mm-hmm. Oh, yes. Um, Rachel sort of mentioned something earlier that like, there's a, a concept that comes up a lot when I talk to my therapist is like an acceptance of of reality um, and that that can be really hard sometimes and painful. But ultimately, this whole cast is 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 having to at some point acknowledge acknowledge reality, acknowledge what's actually happening um, mm-hmm. to them, even if the, it takes them a little while or it happens at different moments. And I think that um, for me, like what is interesting about Tessa Thompson's character is this idea about, um, you know, like what is her moment really saying about how she perceives um, like her choices in this world? Mm -hmm. Like, I think that she's seen two people violently die. And I think she perceives her choices as either. um, And I know, Caitlin, you kind of disagree on the the dying frame. But uh, for me, I'm like. As I, as far as I can watch it, I'm like she see perceives herself as either having the choice to pass peacefully or to p- pass violently, right. um, and she doesn't really see. Uh, and you can say, oh, she's uh, this character is like a depressive or like she's in a certain like mind frame, uh, but I don't think that she necessarily perceives choices outside those two choices. Mm-hmm, right. Mm-hmm. So for her, that is sort of a. Um, an empowered choice where she makes yeah. a decision about how she wants to like uh, leave this um, her entourage or like leave her team. Mm-hmm. That said, like uh, uh, Ventress and Lena, like they uh, perceive like the third choice, which is to um, achieve their goals or to achieve uh, the idea that their goals are at the lighthouse and that they can't that. Mm-hmm. Uh, passing through or passing on aren't options until uh, they reach that point. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, that's a great point. And yeah, definitely I interpreted like her choice. Uh, yeah. As empowered. And uh, she also, uh, th- this 
this is going to be, you know, brief descri- brief description of self-harm. Um, she wears long sleeves for most of the movie because, and they like very clearly say it's because of self-harm. And then at the end, when she's accepting it, she's kind of, she's taken off her long sleeve t-shirt and is kind of, has kind of accept, like accepted what has happened to her. Mm-hmm. And like you said, is empowered in this choice. It's a horrific choice, but. And that's where the, that's where the flowers grow from. Yeah. Um, at least where, yeah. where they start growing from is, is from, yeah, yeah, from her scars on her arms. Um, so, yeah, that is a lot of stuff in this in this movie. I like this movie because it's utter horror and like turn your stomach level horror and then like really beautiful visuals um, mm-hmm. and and horrific things happening in a r- unfolding in a really beautiful way. And this is mm-hmm. definitely the moment. This is this is a, like it's it's not a critically wet moment because she's turning into a tree. But mm-hmm. um, but it's a critically beautiful moment. I'll make a really nice sound for that. <laughs> yeah. Oh, it's like if the do you remember the old iTunes music visualizer? Yeah. Yes. It's like if that tried to interpret the plot of Alien for you. Ooh, yes. Yeah. Absolutely. And before we went we from Tessa, I think one thing that I wanted to note was uh, I hadn't remembered exactly how her like uh, arc ended mm. in this film. And to me, what was so interesting was that I think the, the final kind of scene of that sequence of her kind of disappearing is like... Lena or uh, Natalie Portman's character kind of turning a corner or like uh, moving around a bend and then she can't see her like yeah. uh, she's mm-hmm. like it's not that she uh, she hasn't like left like a, an identifiable remains she just stops being perceived yes uh, which I think is kind of really interesting in that mm-hmm. um, again if you interpret her as like a depressive or like her depressive journey uh, this idea that like the way she leaves ultimately is simply like uh, no longer being seen by those around her, which I think is really uh, like mm-hmm. an interesting way of shooting them. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And that, and that at the same time, because you can't see her, she is she's a part of everything ar- around her. Okay. You don't. Um, in other uh, creatures that we meet in this movie, mm-hmm. it's uh, clear what parts of dna are in there um they say there's shark mixed with this alligator um but for tessa it's like it's it's not clear what happens um and that's also beautiful and part of one of the uh vague thing vague parts of this movie so yeah and then just to go back to a part of utter horror that's not beautiful at all is the bear um and Okay, so the bear walks in and it's like rotting and dripping seemingly its own flesh everywhere. It's like flesh is rotting off of its face. And because it doesn't have a, have flesh on its, its skull, it's like it's just got its like wet beak it, like a like a skull like a bone beak thing dripping just like in yeah, in their faces super metal yeah mm-hmm. that's i i just felt so bad for them they've super metal yeah yeah i don't 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 get me that bear for any like just don't i don't like i don't like the concept it it, it checks a lot of this movie checks a lot of boxes of like existential dread yeah for me and um and that's by design but it all it feels a little tart that feels a little bit targeted it's like stomach snakes and then like death scream bear that's like 
that's really specific. All of Sophie's like stuff. My, yeah. Yeah, it's all. Yeah. <laughs> one thing that's one thing that I think about, like with regards to the animals in this film, mm-hmm. is you know when my uh, fingerprint starts swirling and I'm like, oh shit, oh shit, and it it does remind me of this sort of level of ambiguity about um, the self perception of animals and like to what extent can do they notice that their skull is exposed now like are they in pain are they like do right. they know that something has happened to them or have they like just lost any sort of sense of what they had been before oh that makes me think of yeah so my um my partner's brother has a dog and she's like 12 and I saw her over Thanksgiving and she had one of her eyeballs removed because it had glaucoma really bad and must have been causing her a ton of pain and she had it removed and she started acting like a puppy again meaning it must have been causing her a lot of pain and I just kept being like and she has no idea she ever had two eyes she has no idea I say that all the time about animals like you know they have no idea they just got the dumbest haircut they have no idea that they (laughs) ever had four legs like they just they they you're right it makes you that bear had no idea he's just a a wet beak with uh with yeah. fur <laughs> and that also kind of extends so the animals like our theory that the, of their sort of lack of of self-awareness that also extends to the human character's inability to perceive the alien right because they can't think because the alien just does not exist in in any human concept and conceptions so they say like what does it want how, how does it present itself how what does it want we don't know if it wants anything yeah. it's just it is unknowable yeah yeah and i think that like to and then probably like and i think this is a the love the lovecraftian stuff is that to the alien then it's like the humans characters are, are the same as like the animals not aware of sort of like their cells and shit and how they're maybe like connected to, yeah, to, they don't, to something like exactly, this. They don't know yeah. they don't exactly know the effect they're having on the planet yes. and yeah. all of what's going on. They that thing shows up and it has no idea why Natalie Portman's trying to attack it. And <laughs> um yeah, so yeah, let's get let's go to the lighthouse. So we get to the Let's go to the lighthouse. It's it, we're let's it's go time. there. We pass a bunch of uh tastefully arranged skulls and crystals. Oh, absolutely. Like, it's real, like, uh, hippie New Mexico uh, <laughs> yes. influencer vibes. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, like, very tastefully yeah. done, all of those, um, the crystal mm-hmm. trees that are everywhere. And uh, so they get there and they find a- another, you know, little, c- little clue mystery tape um, that Samara from the Ring has left them, <laughs> and and Lighthouse, the both. Anyway, yes. No. Oh my God, this is just Oscar Isaac is just trying to be the Ring, um, in this movie, and Oscar Oscar Isaac is the Ring. <laughs> Oscar Isaac says, "I lost my mind after he said this because I think this is like the wettest line in all of cinema." I know what you're about to say, and it's so yeah. simple. It's just five words: "My flesh moves like liquid," like. That's it. That's all he had to say. And right after that, he says, uh, my mind is cut loose and I can't bear it, yes. which that line stuck with me because like I've, I've been their brother. Oh, my I, God. I, yeah, yeah. And like, yeah, yeah, the all of the language from here on out where it's like 
I am I you are you me I I can't tell which part of myself is me anymore I'm losing more parts of myself I'm not going to come out of this the same as I was on the way in like I feel like that has been like my pandemic experience and I've been using a lot of the same language um but and so yeah that's why that kind of stuff speaks to me in in this movie mm-hmm. but so they uh she goes into the hole she encounters she gets the lighthouse and there's a big hole big big hole into darkness Mm -hmm. holes are a big thing in this podcast rachel there's we find (laughs) almost without fail there's at least one hole in every movie um well i guess yeah there's there's holes everywhere really if you think about it when do you when you start noticing yeah there's there's a hole hole for every person well a hole is basically a lack of light yeah. So it's sort of like um, the part of the film we haven't reached yet, and then it's a circle. Uh, because if it's a square, then that's just the film. So it's just a. <laughs> there you go. This is a <laughs> so it makes a lot of sense. Circle and a square. That's what a movie is. Is a circle and a square. Exactly. Um, yeah, it's it visually represented. I like it. So yeah, there we. She goes into the hole. It's a tunnel ba- in to the inside of a wet tree. I guess. Yeah, yeah. Pretty much. Yeah. Um, and yeah, and she says these lines. It's, oh, this is uh, Ventress says these lines. It's not like us. It's unlike us. I don't know what it wants. Or if it wants. But it will grow until it encompasses everything. Our bodies and our minds will be fragmented into their smallest parts until not one part remains. Annihilation. And and then she shows you what that looks like, I guess. Yeah. Which is I wrote she projectile vomits a galaxy. Yeah. Is that what you yeah. all saw? Okay. Yeah, she like throws up and shits glitter. Yeah, oh yeah, she shits glitter, or vomits wool. a galaxy. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. What did yeah. you see, Rachel? <laughs> well, um, I think it was like funny. Um, uh, I've heard this film as like a metaphor for depression, and I also <laughs> think that uh, um, there's like a metaphor there for like being in a marriage, and there's this idea that <laughs> mm-hmm. um, yeah, totally. That uh, her husband Kane uh, and Ventress are like almost like two opposing sides of this idea of her identity of like being on one side she's like sort of married she's sort of still married right like, her husband's yeah. like almost dead but she's still sort of married and then there's idea of being like an older woman because um, Jennifer recently by Hollywood standards is an older woman yes yeah and mm-hmm. and and all alone right she has no friends or family right so there's this kind of like dichotomy and and first she sort of gets her last message from her uh definitely not an alien <laughs> husband <laughs> doing a great job doing a blending. great job yeah um, and there's this idea that like outside of the shimmer they haven't been able to communicate to each other he hasn't been able to tell her like his feelings or what he's been doing and there's this lack mm-hmm. of communication which has um uh, sort of sabotage their marriage and cause her to cheat. But like within the shimmer, all of these messages are from him. Like he's so- showing her like what he's been dealing with and he's showing her what his thoughts are. So like, um, he's finally being able to communicate with the husband through video inside of this alien space uh and that's sort of like what's been changing and then so you get a a a scene with him and then you get a scene with ventress 
who is like the other side of the coin of like you are going to get older and you are going to die of cancer or whatever you have and it mm-hmm. is going to feel like this. So I, I felt it was like as a, as a standalone scene uh, with Ventress, it's fine, but I really liked it as sort of the yes. scene which followed this like the last message uh, from her uh, definitely not uh, copied husband. <laughs> yeah. So you- what you're saying is that in the metaverse, this will be the main means of couples therapy. Yes. Of like marriage counseling is yes. like you're going to go to the shimmer. Yeah. And that's the only way you can communicate in is through the shimmer. Okay. Yeah. I, yeah, I'm open to it. I'm open to, to, to some if very, very radical yeah. ideas. Yeah. 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 So yeah. I'm always like, what is it like to be a guy in a, in a, in a friend group of guys? And it's like, well, it's kind of mm. like, uh, you know, gently, holding your friend while you cut him open that's what being in a guy group is like yeah and just and you just being like it's not that big of a deal it's not that big (laughs) stop acting like open your yeah (laughs) i'm just gonna stick my fingers into your stomach snakes dude it's just this is this is how we bond yeah um yeah yeah the shimmer is a way to experience a different different perspective or to lose your identity yeah and subsume it to to the universe or the collective um i love i love though like yeah you can uh, interpret so many different things um and they're all like valid readings they all again they're stomachs they're stomach snakes in this movie so you can you can you can say whatever you want oh yeah um Um, yeah i do love that and i love that it's it's so hard to describe what's happening at the end here because it's like like you said earlier, it's something that can't be perceived by mm-hmm. by humans. And we are humans also watching this. So mm-hmm. it's a lot of like you're looking at a black hole, but is it a sun? I maybe they're the same thing. I don't I don't know what a black hole Sorry, is. Sorry, did you um, say it's a black hole sun? Yeah, what's that? Is that, a, <laughs> is that a song? It most certainly is. Okay, yeah. That, then asks, won't you come? <laughs> oh, oh, is that what um maybe he based um, maybe the director based this movie more on that. That's I, yeah, maybe yeah. it's a more the literal sound. representation of that song than than the original Annihilation. I bet. I bet yeah. the. I bet it's all really clearly explained in that song. I'll listen to it. <laughs> <laughs> all right. All right. Um, but yeah, she. So she like it. She bleeds and from her eye, and the blood gets sucked into it, and and then it's form the cells divide, and out of this like black hole, uh, very much uh, Urukai from Lord of the Rings style, mm-hmm. um, dripping this like oil ferrofluid, and um, and then and then it's there with her, Just whatever it is, it's it's there, and it's you know it's like her her but in a gimp suit. And covered in a layer of gasoline. <laughs> yeah, she's, it's like the iridescent pyrite meta- yes. molten mood ring version of herself. Yes. Uh, and they do a little interpretive dance. Which was like, yeah, minutes. actually choreographed by a, like a very famous choreographer, I believe. Yeah. Um, so that, because it had to like, it had to operate by the opposite movement things, but she also had to like manipulate it. It's like, it was like a puzzle. Those puzzles mm-hmm. where when you move, something moves in the opposite way, and you have to figure out. Yeah, the when you move, I move <laughs> just like, like that. that. <laughs> oh, exactly. Um, there's, there's a lot of 
love musical references in this yeah. yeah. movie. People don't always pick those up. Um, and there's like a, there's like this question of like we assume that when we're in like the 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 hole that like what's happening is just something that we can't perceive at all except like in tiny fragments of color. And then right. it takes a shape that's hers, and we're like uh, she can perceive the shape, but she can't perceive uh, whatever is happening on the surface. Yes. And then there's like a further question of like the movements. We assume the movements are real because she touches it. Right. But also moving and sensory information is also a type of perception. So there's right. a question of like, is it moving? Like, is her perceptions of its movements just also like what she's capable of perceiving? Right. Right. That's, <laughs> yeah. that's very interesting. But, and yeah. that's why, that's why, like, when she gets back there and, um, Benedict Wong is uh, like, that's why when Benedict I love Wong, him. he's great. Yeah. And that's why when mm-hmm. he's questioning her to all, she's like, dude, Benedict Wong, I don't know the answers <laughs> to any of your questions. Like, I can't like, answer a single one because she can't even explain how she, like, how she perceived anything. Yeah. And I also, yeah. like, I love those Benedict Wong scenes when, like, there's, like, 50 people outside their, like, <laughs> cell just, like, watching him. And you know, like, like taking he's notes. <laughs> taking notes. And you know that there's pressure on him to get her to say something which uh, helps, like, that. that is, like, uh, satisfies, like, the crowd or the yeah, audience, yeah, yeah. Uh, which they've <laughs> assembled there. And so, like, yeah. sometimes he has this, like, attitude, which I have felt. I'm like, I'm in front of a crowd right now. I need to do something. I need to get this person to say something that's interesting or funny or that's meaningful or that even makes sense. And Natalie Portman's, like, not giving him any material at all. <laughs> um. So, yeah, basically... Then it's like the gimp suit morphs into Natalie Portman, which we all saw coming. And uh, and then she uh, like lights the, we assume, the uh, alien version on fire. And it like crawls back into the hole, which then lights like everything on fire. And it destroys yeah. the shimmer and it all disintegrates. And uh, it, we get confirmation later that when that happened, everyone that was affected by the shimmer, all of that seemingly went away. And she's back. Mm-hmm. And then and now she's talking to Benedict Wong. Like we all want, I want every, I want all of my sticky situations I get into end that way too. I'm always so mad. I'm like, get me Benedict Wong. Why don't I get if, to talk to him? Here's the thing. If you throw like if you throw a grenade at stuff, much like bleach, you'll have a new problem. Yeah. <laughs> you won't have the same problem. Nope. New so, new problem. Now you got Benedict yes, Wong it's not, not questioning you. And I did love I did love that she didn't throw the grenade. I did love that she like handed her double the green. Like, here you go. And yeah, because and the the doppelganger like accepted it and then went back in like sort of knew what was going to happen. Like took it back into the hole so that it could like affect everything almost. It was mm-hmm. like they had to learn to work together in the mm-hmm. dance and then with this and then they they came to the solution that both of them collectively wanted to come to. Um but then at the end, okay, so this is the, I keep, I kept alluding to it earlier. Natalie Portman's back and Benedict Wong uh, is questioning her and someone's gotten her a glass of water. And it's the same like shape and size that the glass from the beginning that she shared with Oscar Isaac was. And 
in the same way that it happened in the beginning, the camera like focuses on her hand kind of through the water in the glass. And people say that after she drinks the water and puts the glass down, that the water on the side of the glass like starts splitting. You can see like... Yeah, I saw it. You did? Yeah. No, but it was more coming together. Yeah. Oh, interesting. Yeah, I made a note of it. Or maybe, uh, who knows? Yeah, I was just like, oh, the theme. Yeah, there are people who saw it, and I rewound it so many times and was like, (laughs) you should have may or may not been pirating it. I can't confirm if I was doing it, but I I got the water cut, the water splitting (laughs) cut. I will say that Um, I did not see anything weird about the water. I was like looking at the water, but I also was watching it on my phone on YouTube. So uh, probably not the best (laughs) dimensions to see water shenanigans. Uh, but definitely the water cup is like the spinning top of this movie. Yes. Um, yes. Yeah. As is the eye, the eye shimmer. The eye shimmer. End, yeah. Which I, I, um, yeah, which I just was like, okay. Like I, I interpreted it like, cause she asked him, like, she's like, hey, hey, are you an alien? Yeah. <laughs> he's yeah. like, clearly. What? <laughs> yeah. I have not even tried to pretend I wasn't. Yeah. And then he's like, what are, what are you? And she's like, I'm not, I don't know if she says anything, she but anything. like, she's been changed yeah. by the shimmer. So I think the little like shimmer in their eye, it's like, yeah, you know. Yeah. It's still, like, it's, it's the spinning top. Yeah. It's which, the spinning top. Which, yeah, is, is not quite as gimmicky as the spinning top because that, I feel like the spinning top was just for Christopher Nolan to be like, you don't know. And to have like a shock value at the end. This is more to be like, does it matter? If they're right, like right. they're not the same either way, they're not the same after yeah. this either way. So and they have to figure out a new and they and they hug at the end almost as like a we'll figure our way through this new thing, whatever this is, this new world, these new this this new us. We'll figure we'll figure out whatever that is, which is just perfect for the this is all just marriage counseling <laughs> yes, <laughs> reading yes. of the film. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah, yeah. That I'm going to be an adamant uh, evangelist for that reading of the film. I'm going to be like, it's just, it's really simple. It's about, it's about marriage. It's a marriage story. And so then Um, maybe what we don't know what it wants, but like when that comet comes down, everybody freaks out. It's just, it's literally just like, we came here to help you. We came here to help humanity through its marriage crises. Um, You've heard of talk therapy? Here is shimmer therapy. Shimmer therapy. Shimmer, th- shimmer therapy. And then the other thing uh, at the end that's sort of like a spinning top is that Natalie Portman has a tattoo of an Ouroboros, which is a snake like eating its own tail. So Kane has it first. Oh, you I didn't realize he had the, the same ha- one. He has it before he goes in the shimmer. Oh. Gina Rodriguez has it when she's in the shimmer. I don't know if she has it before. I w- and then she has it at the end. Okay. So. Wait, how do you know Oscar Isaac had it before the shimmer? Because he, he had it in the sex scene? Because he has it on in, in on his arm. Okay. I don't know. I think that w- that was the one thing I really didn't try not to read people's hot takes about this. <laughs> yeah. I couldn't find anything many. about that. I just thought they saw that like you can I was, see But I was it. like, what's up with the tattoo? And they were like, yeah, it's it's just on. It's on people. Yeah. It's to symbolize <laughs> you've, you've been you've been through some shit in the it's shimmer. It's to symbolize the snake inside of you, inside your stomach. It's just, Yeah. It's an external uh, representation of the snake mm-hmm. inside of your stuff. Yeah. <laughs> I hate it. 
Yeah. Um. I, hate, I hate it so much. Uh, yeah. But yeah. But, you know, I've never been married, so I don't know what it's like <laughs> to get the stomach snakes of matrimony. Yeah, this, the, we're really not, none of us are, I don't think, uh, experts in in that. Yeah, let's, 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 let's talk about, so to wrap up, we talk about holes and then we give a verdict. So, um we have our wonderful uh, Keanu Reeves is here in the studio to introduce us, and he is he's mimicking every every uh, he's doing a little interpretive dance with us. It's great. We love it. He's smashing my face into the wall. I can't really <laughs> breathe, but it's okay. We're gonna get through it. We're gonna get through it. Um, That's marriage. And yeah, and he just comes in to ask about um. Ask what our holes are in this movie. He just he just he shows up at the end of every podcast episode and demands that we tell him what the what are <laughs> what the holes were in the movie. You don't you don't have any holes? Nope. Um, and I think we talked about them like they're pretty extensively. There's, like, there's the holes that like the shimmer rips through you. Um, either like your stomach snake spore hole. There's like the galaxy butthole of light. That is at the end oh, yeah. that, that she gazes into. Natalie Portman gazes into that light butthole and, and cries because she figures something out. I, we'll never yeah, know what I, she saw. We'll never know what she saw. She's the only one saw. who was graced with that knowledge. Yeah. Yeah. And that um, the human experience, identity, trauma, loss, grief. Uh, Big holes. Subsuming that, yourself in a relationship. Those can all be holes. Big holes that rip through your life. Um. Yeah. Any any other yeah. holes that you want to highlight, Rachel? Uh. Yeah. Just. Um. I know we talked at the top about uh, those cervical cancer cells. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And just sort of like, uh, it's probably a very um, uh, I don't know, like, uh, traditional viewing of the film, but like this idea, if if it is a film about marriage and what it's like to be married, and this idea of like whether uh it's a metaphor for um the the changes that happen to you uh while you're married or the idea that things like for example children that would transform a marriage uh and maybe like giving us a sense of uh that like like what it's like to have kids without any kids in the film (laughs) yeah yeah it's interesting that they were able to sort of touch on that a little bit as a topic despite no one really talking about kids a whole lot and no kids were in the movie you know you know you know what they say the movie is about whatever does not appear in the film at all that's what that's the old adage old adage yeah (laughs) (laughs) yeah so my verdict for this movie yeah this uh this movie is i kept thinking it's like it's 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 a dichotomy of like wet stuff and then just like wild visuals. So it's like a drippy and a trippy, creamy and a dreamy, queefy and a leafy, leaky and a freaky. It's very slick and psychedelic. So it's all it's all those it's all those things. And uh, I love it. Yeah, Sophie, please describe how wet this movie is. Yeah. So this is one of the more. Um, yeah, as I said, grounded ones that make sense. So it, this is as wet as Dr. Zhivago uh, being staged in the factory where they used to make, you know, those clear uh, 
clear purple phones from landline phones yeah. from the 90s you could see things yeah. in you could see the um, inside that's slowly being taken over by the nothing from never ending story again self explanatory dr Zhivago, it's a turbulent romance uh <laughs> it's about yeah it's russian uh it, the shimmery sort of uh y2k 90s aesthetic going on vaporwave uh, is represented and then finally yeah the nothing for never ending story is probably is like is annihilation for kids yeah <laughs> yeah and then Rachel so again Rachel you can literally say anything great they, cool yeah uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah I uh, love this film I think it's super dope I really like uh, how you can interpret it through various lenses yes. I think it's a really interesting um about, it's really for me. It's an interesting treatise on relationships, um, especially ones where uh, uh, you have almost uh, the two, the gender divide, and kind of speaking to that. Uh, I love the 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 see, different scenes where the women are trying to like interpret what happened to the men or what the men were doing at the time, mm-hmm. and feeling like they're in the same place but at different times. So there's this beautiful moment of like mm-hmm. of just sort of not being on the same page, where you're sort of like gently being separated and to me uh nothing is wetter than gender uh gender is the wettest thing hell uh, yeah baby that's oh yeah that's what we're talking about love it and yeah this is female reboot of the thing they did it yeah they did it they did um, it yeah um well yeah rachel thank you so much for talking with us this i could have talked for like eight more hours about just the fluidity of things and uh shimmery stuff and yeah thank you so much for for being here i thank you thank you guys so much i could have easily talked uh like yourself for another eight google chat sessions yeah uh, <laughs> so fun um i'm going to uh make a confession i actually haven't seen birdman so i don't even know why i'm making fun of it i'm sure it's a wonderful <laughs> totally fine i'm sure totally it's a wonderful fine. film no it's some some would read it as pretentious yes and rachel um once again things that you would like to plug i if you want to say a little bit more about the uh fantasy erotica I'm intrigued. I know. Yeah, do you have Caitlin Erotica's not your thing, but I'm definitely. Uh, you definitely have my attention. Uh, yeah, you know what? Um, I will uh, watch my Twitter space. I will. I will give more updates to that as it comes to fruition. Uh, and I'm just excited to be in process right now. It just gives me something to work on that I'm happy about. Oh, I love that. Sorry. I'm so excited. And again, it's at R A J Andelman on Twitter. Yeah, please, everyone, go follow. Yeah, this episode is brought to you by Goth Build-A-Bear. Now you can put the dying screams of your loved one in your very own teddy bear. Black hole sun, won't you come?